Hello, and welcome to Embolden, Living a Bold Christian Life. I'm Chris Shetter, an ordinary Christian living with and learning about an extraordinary God. Now more than ever, we need to be resolute in Christ. Please join me over the next few weeks as we look at ways to lead an uncompromising Christian life. Today's resolute verse comes from Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I'll be honest, I never thought I'd get married, partially because I just wasn't raised thinking about marriage and partially because I was the product of a marriage based on really very little respect for each other. For many years, God allowed me to live my life in sexual sin. I went from one man to another, sometimes only passing through in the night. But God, he always has a plan for each and every one of us. For me, that plan included being given the gift of a wonderful husband. In our early years in our marriage, my husband and I really weren't faithful followers of Jesus, but he at least had a Christian background from which to draw. And when I look back over our first, say, 10 years of marriage, I can see actually where I'm grateful for that tension of knowing some of what God expected from us as a couple. And I say tension, that may seem like a weird word, but because whenever we live outside of God's narrow path, we can either live like we don't really have a clue that what we're doing is ungodly, therefore there's no tension, or have some concept of the ungodliness, which then can pull us into learning more. Now, we will be judged in the end, so I'd rather not be oblivious to my sins and take the opportunity to work on them. In our marriage, we struggled for control. Control of who would be the head of our household. Control of our finances. Control over long-term decisions for our family. Over discipline of our kids. Over our time management. And looking back, I was only doing what I had learned in my own family home. A weak father figure gives way to a power vacuum. And on the other hand, my husband, he came from a strong, godly, father-led family. And so the back and forth went on and on. Genesis 3, 2-3 says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. There's a lot of talk in feminist circles in the media about the patriarchy and how men shouldn't keep women down. But from the beginning, God had a very clear plan for both women and men. Women were to be helpers, assisting their Adams to be the best men they could be. And I really like to think of it as being like a good golf caddy. This is no job to take lightly. Yet we arrive at Genesis 3 
And Eve, you know, she speaks the truth, but then immediately foregoes her heavenly role. Instead of seeking wisdom from her husband, she is drawn to the conversation with the serpent and his view. The fleshly desires pull her farther and farther away from God's plan. Genesis 3.12 then says, The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So you see the result? As you can read or or hear what, what that's saying there, life suddenly became upside down in God's plan. Eve took the lead, and then Adam falls into a weak position of blame. Eve is punished by God for her role in the great fall with painful childbirth and the knowledge that men will rule over her. But when you read the punishment of Adam, he receives a very harsh future that affects every area of his life. I have to be honest and say that Every marriage I have been around that was in serious, I mean serious trouble, was a direct result of this upside-down relationship. Now, that's not to say there aren't men who disobey God's command to love their wives as Christ loves the church, as seen as in Ephesians 5.25. But so often in our modern world, as a result of the feminist movement, which started around in the 1970s, Women have jostled or demanded control in their relationships. Like all actions that go against God's holy plan, we see the results with weak husbands and overbearing wives. And wives who, to be honest, underneath it all, desire a man to stand up for them, to take charge, to love them to the point of sacrifice. Women of God, you know, the idea of submitting to our husbands or future husbands does not mean we are second-class citizens. You'll see in Genesis 3.16, Eve's punishment was to have men rule over her. Therefore, it wasn't God's plan for men to rule over her in the first place. And thankfully, Jesus came to give us a new covenant reminding us that although there is still a hierarchy of responsibility, every person is of equal value. A helper doesn't mean you are less than one being helped. It's taken me a while to really understand that. What it means is we trust God's plan, and if we have chosen wisely, we trust our husbands who also trust God. We trust them to take care of the family business. We trust they will have our best interest in mind. We trust they love us so much they want us to be content. If our husbands are not trustworthy in those areas, or men of faith, who really, women, are we to blame? 1 Kings 11.3 says, He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. King Solomon was considered one of the wisest men of all time, yet it was his wives that managed to turn him away from God and to lead him astray. Our role as our husband's life caddy 
is so important that we can't let what the world says about feminism and submission sway us from following God's plan. A good and godly wife holds so much sway over her husband, and the world, they'll laugh at us thinking a bigger paycheck or fancy job title is what's most important. Our work in helping our husbands will take us a lifetime, much of the time simply modeling godly behavior, control over our emotions, showing love, and showing faith in the Almighty and our men. Eve's veering from God's plan, leading her husband to create a great sin, can really make me so angry at times. But then I think about the times I placed myself above my husband and asked for mercy. It took a lot of intentional work on my part to step back and encourage and teach my husband how to place himself at the head of our family. Because for a long time, he didn't think I needed him ever. That's the way I acted. Friends, whether you are a husband, wife, or not yet married, we must stand resolutely against how the world wants us to define marriage. We can't let the world define what submission looks like in God's world. His great plan for man and woman, joined together in harmony, is just the example for what is the final plan. The ultimate marriage between Jesus and his bride will be full of love, joy, beauty, and compassion. But let's start today with making those fruits part of our earthly marriages. Have a great day. I'd love to hear from you and find out more about how you are living out your bold Christian life. You can find me on Instagram at embolden minus the O or at my blog at embolden.net.